You're now diving into the fish tank. Sitting down with Seth living, Seth. OJ, Juice, Juice Man, ooh, and this is strictly for them true fans, yeah. dog fans, number one, one, of course y'all, this ain't no ordinary sports talk, dive up in that fish tank. Welcome back to the Fish Tank, right here on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. Seth Levitt, DJ Preach in the dark. We're in the wee hours here at night because we went West Coast on them today. West side. OJ McDuffie, Juice, man, how you feeling this evening? Not today, but this evening. I'm great, Big Seth, man. I'm excited, man, for our next guest, man. You know, we've had a lot of interesting things happen with a lot of Gator fans and a lot of Gator players. But when you bring a wide receiver in the game, the wide out, you know, I'm excited about that, bro. Absolutely. And especially that, you know, it, it's funny before the whole, uh, well, not funny when you talk about the pandemic, but before all this hit, before we even yeah. dreamed of doing this thing via Zoom, I was texting with Greg Camarillo. So let's introduce him. Greg, welcome right, to right, the Right, right, right. We're going to bring him in already yeah. or what? Man? Yeah. I, <laughs> all right. I'm here, fellas. I'm here. I, I, I'm a fan of the podcast, a fan of what you guys do. So, you know, honored to be here with you. Well, it's an honor to have you here in the tank, man. I know you've, uh, uh, certainly in the social media uh, sphere, you, you've commented on some of the shows and some of our guests and had a little back and forth, which has been a lot of fun. But you and I texted and I was like, when are you coming to Florida? And you're like, man, I, you know, don't, don't hold your breath, right? You got a lot going on out there. Yeah, I've got, I, you know, I just mentioned this to my wife the other day is every year we plan on getting out there for a game. And, you know, the last couple of years, uh, we've got three little girls at home. So that's it. And then this was our year. 2020 was the year to get to a game. And, oh, no. you know, that's not happening right now. So <laughs> no, no, maybe, not maybe 2021. Maybe that's the year. Well, you, you definitely have to do it. I'm telling you, Juice, if, if Greg comes back to the stadium, they're going to roll out. the. They'll break out the orange carpet. They'll find wherever that is at the stadium. I mean, right. That would be a big deal. Damn and right. Greg Camarillo be. makes his way back into Miami. We're going to get into all of that. But, uh, yeah, so we were texting Juice, and he's like, man, I'd love to come on the show but I'm not going to be down there. And of course I said, well, we like to do everything in person. And that shit went out the window real quick. <laughs> that shit did real uh, fast, real fast. But you know, here we are. And, and it really has opened up our world to get everybody from all over the country. So it's great to have you in the tank. A lot to talk about uh, a lot, in a short period of time. There's a lot to talk about, but before I get into any of this football stuff, so I was doing my research here in the 18 hours advance notice that I gave you to, to get on the podcast. <laughs> And I kind of, my mind was blown, Greg. Are you Jewish? How did I, I not I'm, know this? I'm Jewish, man. It's a, it's a little known fact because I, I'm, I'm not like, and I'm not a religious guy, but my mother is Jewish, you know, um, so therefore I am Jewish. And oh, my yeah, dad, by law. So, by law, yeah. So, <laughs> right. so I'm legit. I'm official. But, uh, <laughs> he's absolutely, yeah. Yeah, man. My, my mom is, is a Hungarian Jew. My dad is a Mexican Catholic. So I, you know, celebrate and represent both sides of that. But, you know, being Latino and being Jewish in, in South Florida, that's, that's three quarters of the population right yeah, there. So man, I fit that, right in when I got to Miami. Absolutely. <laughs> you did. So, but I never knew that. I think everyone, we all just got caught up on your last name and, you know, they're just so thirsty down here to have players that, that are of Latinx descent. And, and so that's a big deal. And I think, you know, I, I, I 
remember seeing your father a couple times in the locker room, rocking the Camarillo jersey and everything. I just had no idea. Hell, you missed Jay Feeler by a year or two. That would have been something else. Have we, you know, That's Jewish right. quarterback yeah. was one thing, but if he was, you know, catching the Jewish receiver out there. Yeah, I, I got, I got one preseason game with Sage Rosenfels in Minnesota. So that, you know, we, uh, he threw me one pass and we didn't connect. So the Jewish connection just didn't <laughs> happen. wasn't happening, but Sage doesn't claim it, man. So I think that was the problem there. I think we need to get Jay up in here. So yeah, that one threw me off, man. That was, and you know, all these years I've known you. So that was, that was brand new. That was really good to, to unveil here in the tank. Yeah, man, no <laughs> doubt. So let's talk about, let's talk a little bit about your path to the NFL. So, you know, we know that your dad that we just talked about, you know, was a college professor. And I guess, yeah. you know, sometimes, you know, the, the DNA is kind of in the, that, the players, because I, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, you turned down Harvard to walk on to Stanford. Is that correct? Yeah, and it's actually that actually that decision involves Miami in a roundabout way. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a California guy, born and raised in California and uh, got accepted to Harvard and I wanted to play football. Division one was was a long shot for me. So I wanted to play football. I decided to take a college trip. I was going to check out Harvard and then my brother was at Penn going to check out Penn and then I was meeting a couple buddies in Miami for spring break. So, you know, I'm 8, 17, 18 years old. I'm, or no, yeah, I'm packing for Miami. So I got my shorts, <laughs> I got my shirts, and I bring a hoodie. Harvard football practices in April at 6 a.m. outside, and a California guy in a hoodie, I was frozen to death, man. Like fingers, <laughs> toes, numb. And I was I just can't do it. I cannot go play football in Boston at 6 a.m. Uh, and so I, I marked that off my list, and luckily Stanford opened up <laughs> shortly after that. That's crazy. Yeah, I know that, Seth. You know, I know, man. It's like, you know, I grew up in that cold weather, so it wasn't a big deal. But anytime we had a kid uh, as a recruit come in from California or Florida, I knew we weren't going to get him. No shot, huh? Oh, yeah. Not, not yeah. January, February. Just no, ask Jamie no Crowder chance. about that one, right? No chance. Man, they didn't want to leave the hotel room. <laughs> yeah, man. We're not built for it. No, we can't do it. But Harvard, Stanford, Penn. I mean, look at these. Look at that lineup, Juice. Yeah. Yeah. You know his teammates in high school were copying off his papers. That's all I can tell you that much for oh, sure. You did. Hey, you know what? And he not only was he a hell of a football player, but he helped that team GPA a lot, Big Seth. You know what I mean? That's absolutely that, that dude. Hey, he man, made I, plays on the field and in the classroom for his teammates. Right. I was I was a walk on, and the rule of being a walk on is you can't bring the team GPA down. So you got to handle <laughs> business in the classroom. <laughs> yeah. Well, they got the right guy for they that. Did. One. They sure so, did. Man. So you know, I ended up having a, a a great career at Stanford. Don't get drafted. Never should be easy for you, right? Everything you you know you did, you you, you had to grind for. Okay, you go to San Diego, spent two years there, blah, blah, blah. We won't talk about San Diego, but there is one little element, I guess, that's critical to this story here is that your offensive coordinator there was Cam Cameron. 2007, uh, you know, they make the brilliant move down here to hire Cam as the head coach. and, uh, And Cam doesn't waste much time to bring you down here and, you know, probably... Probably one of the few th- few good decisions that he made in that time period. I won't put you in the spot because I know you and Cam have a great relationship. Yeah, and, we do. And 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 you said that, so you know I don't want to. Well, maybe I do, but I don't want to put you in that position. It, it, it's all good, man. I, I you know I owe a lot of my career to Cam, and but I get I understand the perspective that Miami fans have, and Cam knows that too. In the NFL, you are paid to win. We we did we got one win, and then Cam's. Yeah era so you know that's okay for fans to be mad but I owe a lot to him for my career yeah well you know that's that's admirable of you you know and I I could probably spend a lot of time asking you some Cam Cameron questions but I'm just going to skip all that but I do talk about something that I think is important when you first got to Miami or somewhere early on and uh 
you know, you got invited to one of my favorite events of all time, and it's the O.J. McDuffie Signature Grand Ghoul. Yep, right? yep, yep. And, and you were legendary at that thing. I, you know, towards the end there, I, you had what I thought was one of the best costumes I'd ever seen. Oh, man. Herman costume. I mean, the people we heard. Juice, has anybody had a greater likeness at the Grand Ghoul than Greg as, as, as Pee Wee Herman. No, I mean, he, he killed it. He, he 1,000% killed it. He, he, Seth, Seth, that's like a, that's like a, like a, like a backhanded <laughs> dish right there. Man. It is a little I, bit of a backhand. I, I unfortunately look like Pee Wee Herman. So it, You're a great character it, actor. That's what I'm talking about. It's great on Halloween. Every uh, 364 other days. Wait, so how many times have you rocked the Pee Wee Herman? I've repeated it about five years after that. I've done it twice. It, it it's was, just because, I mean, I look like Pee Wee Herman. Like, you know, I can't, I can't You had the it. suit. You had everything. We're definitely yeah, going to so pull up, dig up the picture. My, my, my first Halloween bash, I came as Borat. You know, Borat 2 is coming yeah. up. But Borat 1 was out. And I unfortunately looked like Borat too. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was having a blast, but the ladies don't want to be talked to by Borat, especially in my Borat voice. So I had a, had a great time, but had to change up my costume after that. Well, so that's what I want to talk about because, I, you know, we did a little digging, which, again, we didn't leave ourselves a whole lot of time, but we did a little digging. We got some intel, and we didn't talk to Patrick Cobbs, but somebody got to Cobbs, and he uh -oh. said, talk to him about these. Uh-oh. Talk to him about OJ's Halloween event. And ask him how I had to save his ass. He he did. <laughs> oh man, yeah. We, we uh, there's a lot to this story, but I, I'll keep I'll keep it simple. So you know, All right, cool. you know we, so I was I was generally new to the team. You didn't really know guys very well, and so you go to OJ's party, and it's just a lot of fun, a lot of drinking going on. And then come the end of the night, they wanted all the players to get back into the, the bus that took us there. And um, there was there was an older lady that didn't want me to get in that bus and wanted me to go home with her instead. Uh, and, you know, after a few drinks, your decision making isn't always the best. But I learned that day that I could trust Patrick Cobbs to the end of it because he physically grabbed me and brought me back in that bus. And so I owe Patrick Cobbs a debt of gratitude forever. I knew I could ride with that guy for that reason. Yeah, yeah, man. Patrick Cobbs. That's, that's a good team. Dude, that's it. Hey, hey, Cobbs, you know, a hell of a special teams player, a hell of a teammate, man. That's a hell of a tackle we made right there. That's a good <laughs> yeah. tackle right there. You know Game saver right there. Game <laughs> And, you know, in fairness, Greg, I I didn't know the story behind it. He just said just <laughs> ask that's him. I mean, it's a good ending, so I'm, I'm cool I'm cool saying yeah, that right. story. But, you know, you know, guy, you, know you, you put the blinders on. You're not sure you're making the greatest decisions in the world, but – Patrick Cobbs had my back, and that's why we're friends to this day. Yeah, very older. quickly, who you can trust, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah, he said older lady. Now, give me, give me a, a, an estimate of an age on that older lady. He was a much younger guy, too, Drew. You know? I mean, yeah, I was, let's see, how old was I at that point? Probably 24, 25. Yeah. I, you know what, I, OJ, I, if it, based on the judgment level I had at that moment, I couldn't really tell you. <laughs> she, she well, she was, was in costume. <laughs> I mean, maybe she, maybe she wasn't. Maybe she was your age, and she just she's had just great dressed age. as an old lady. I mean, <laughs> she was interested in Borat. So what does that say about her taste? You know, you know that was probably where that's where Cobb's made a good move. Oh, yeah, man. Great move. Oh, God, man. Hall of Fame move right there. No doubt about it, man. You know, we always loved you at the Ghoul, man. I mean, you, I mean, you were just like I talked about earlier, man. Just in the community, man. You did so much great work, but the Ghoul was like one of those things, man. That was just outstanding. What, from what I understand, though, not everyone was as welcoming to you in Miami. You know, I understand there's a story about you trying to park for your first game as a Dolphin. And it, I mean, <laughs> it's 
Tell, tell me what happened, man, that, that, yeah, that, man. that first so, experience you know, in the lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm the new guy on the team. Everyone had been there the whole preseason, been to the stadium, you know, knows they know the drill. For some reason, I didn't ask, like, where, where, how do we get to the player parking lot? So, you know, flying across the country a week before, you rent a car. So I uh, just went and got the most standard, you know, Dodge rental there is, you know, with the hubcaps and all. And I get to the stadium, and I realize I have no idea where the player lot is. So I just pull into the regular, the regular lot. They give you an orange pass, like, Bill Galanti. Give you that orange. I mean, I, 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 I probably had to pay. I can't remember that part, but I remember asking, <laughs> pulling up to each attendant and saying, you know, where is the player's parking lot? And when you look in at the car, it's a basic car. You know, NFL guys are known for having fancy cars. It's a basic car. I am not your stereotypical NFL looking guy. You know, I'm a regular dude. Obviously. Were you in Borat costume when you were talking? <laughs> <laughs> to German, actually. Okay. <laughs> and so, and the attendants don't even know. So they're like, I go this way. And it got to the point where I'm like driving through tailgates to try to find my way into, oh, the, to, into the stadium. No one's believing me. Fortunately, I was hours early. So I got there on time. But I learned from that day, anytime I was on a new team or a new stadium, I got to ask, where is the player's parking lot? Because people aren't going to believe me showing up. Unless they think I'm the kicker. Was like, right. Was panic setting in where, you know, like, what are you feeling? I didn't like being late as a PR guy and I had to get there eight hours early. I, what, yeah, what were you I, I am always super early, man. So, you know, I, I, I had at least an hour to spare for every game. I was always one of the first guys in there. So I was fine. But it's just, just like, it's a rookie mistake. Ask for the parking <laughs> lot in. You know, don't be an idiot. Oh, man. So, so you like to get there early. I, I couldn't, I couldn't get there early. I had to get there two hours on the button because I, I hate to stand up to sit around man because I was so nervous all the time oh, get ready man. To play man I just need to I need to get in there make sure my uniform's right get my ankles taped and go out for that first group you know what I mean I couldn't do yeah. it man I'm the total opposite and it, it made me less nervous and I was still nervous but it made yeah. me less nervous knowing that I had plenty of time to spare because I like to get in there I'd read the magazine, you know, see what the, 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 the matchup looks like that week to read right. something interesting about one of my players, about one of my teammates. And then, uh, you know, always had to make sure I had time to use the, the bathroom pregame to, to make sure I was ready to go get those ankles taped. I just I like to prepare and I needed yeah. time to prepare. Well, it's a good thing you didn't have to use go to the bathroom out in the water potty lots. That would have been a whole other experience. But would have made for great podcast material at this point in time. <laughs> but we've, so, yeah, we've heard about people using the bathroom on this oh, podcast many times. Uh, yeah, we, we, we have had Larry. Yeah, we're, I think we're good. We're good. <laughs> so just understand that. So, listen, one thing we haven't mentioned is the year this all happened. And, and of course, it was 2007. Most of us in Miami try and forget that year. Um, but it's, it will never be forgotten for a lot of reasons. Uh, you know, one of those, of course, is the fact that it was, unfortunately, the worst season in the history of this franchise. Yeah. And loss piled up after loss. And eventually we get to 0-13, you know, and this is the moment that brings us to where we're at here. And I'm sure it's a moment that, that will never be forgotten in your life. But here we are on the verge, you know, is the only team that's gone perfect also going to go 0-16? And we've got a home game against Baltimore, who we struggle against, uh, you know, notoriously struggle against that Baltimore team, particularly with that defense. Somehow the game ends up in overtime, and you turn into Superman. And you save the day, man. You save the day. Walk us through it, Greg. And, and you and I have talked about this before. Um, I, I think it might have even been at the beginning of – well, I guess it was last year we had the conversation. But walk us through it. What was going on in that game 
did you ever feel that things were starting to click for you? And, you know, certainly walk us through that one moment that changed. Yeah. So, I mean, I could, I could spend an hour talking and talking about all that, but I'll, I'll condense it for, for, so we can get, get back to the Halloween. We need to 20 minutes. Oh, so going into that game, I had one catch for two yards. Like that was my entire career. And if you can measure, you know, your career with your arms is not a very good career. So, um, <laughs> you know, we, I was started probably sixth or seventh on the depth chart of six or seven receivers. And, you know, a couple guys get hurt. We traded Chris Chambers, Marty Booker. Uh, no, he was playing. Somebody else got hurt and I became the fourth of four receivers. And in that day, you didn't go four wide receivers very often, but you know, like I mentioned in the pregame, I'm always, I'm always prepared. Like I always, and that's a whole other story, a life lesson I learned in uh, in college football about being prepared from a moment I wasn't prepared. So here I am, the fourth of four receivers, and most of the times the fourth wide receiver. And Juice could probably attest to the guys that were behind him are over by the gateway. <laughs> I heard that too. I heard that little jab right there. The guys, behind. <laughs> no. I was, a, I was a five at, at some point there. <laughs> behind, okay. So you, you've been there, but I, you know, most of the time you were on the field, but a fourth wide receiver normally has a cup of seeds. He like doesn't even have his helmet nearby, but I got my helmet strapped up. I got my mouthpiece in. I'm ready. And on third down, this is uh, during the game, not overtime. Coach says four wives. And so shit, here we go. Uh, and it's a play to me. It is a play that I have run my entire pro career. Anytime on scout team, when we run that play, I jump and take it. Anytime it's called and the coach knows me well, he knows I can run it. And so we go in there and run the play. And, and What's the play, Greg? Tell us the play. Uh, trips left, fly, scat left, Ernie. Like I can I could repeat <laughs> that in my forget sleep. forget that one. No, that'll never be forgotten. But um, I, I had a dog named Ernie because of that play. <laughs> That's um, awesome. But, uh, you know, we, we complete the pass and get a first down, and it was a matter of inches. Like, the dude almost defended it. And if he knocks that down, I'm sure we don't run it again, and none of this ever happens. I'm never on the podcast because you don't like to talk to guys with one catch for two yards. What are you talking about, um, man? We love those guys. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we run, a, we run a play once. It works. Uh, like a quarter later, still in a regular regular time, not overtime, we run it again. It works again. And at this point, I'm getting cocky. I'm signaling first down. I'm talking mess to the, to the DB. Uh, and granted, that's my, my third career catch, so it's not like I'm really doing anything. Um, and then we, okay. we get to overtime, and he, we call four wide receivers again. It's really the only time I'm in the game, and we call the same play. And I'm thinking, oh, shit, we can't run. No one runs the same play three times in the NFL, especially with Ed Reed on right. the other side because he's – He's a master of these things. So I try to disguise the motion a little bit. And, you know, fortunately for me, I only played a, hand, a handful of offensive plays and some special teams. So I'm fresh. This is, you know, two, three hours into the game. Everyone else is gassed, <laughs> but I'm fresh. The play works. Ed Reed knows what's coming and just abandons ship and is inches away from picking it off. But what that does is opens up the rest of the field because there's no safety there. Uh, and I, I was never the fastest guy. But, you know, guys have been running for three hours and I've been running for 20 minutes, so I was ready to go. Uh, and if you ever watch that tape, just watch my head swivel back and forth looking for someone to He's catch coming. I love oh, it. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> and, and I literally think to my, it's amazing what goes on in your mind in these moments because so much can happen. And I'm thinking to myself while I'm running, okay, I'm in field position. I can get tackled. It's okay. But somehow I'm faster than that guy and we, we get into the end zone and another fun fact that was the first time I scored a touchdown since high school so I I had Isn't that crazy I had not sniffed the end zone in so long man and it was just just a lot of fun man the few fans that we had left the true faithful were there cheering the teammates were going nuts like it was just 
and just a great, enjoyable, memorable moment. Well, let me tell you this, Greg. I was one of those fans in the end zone. My end zone seats, man. You know, I had those those my season tickets when I yeah. retired. Did it come man. to your end zone juice? It went away from me, man. I saw Greg oh. running away, man, and he kept going faster and faster. It seemed like, man, and you know, just running away from dudes. I mean, it was unbelievable to see, you know, the, the fact that you know Baltimore right before that had a chance to, you know, before the overtime and everything to try to win the game. They kicked the field goal, but I'm gonna tell you this, man. That was one of the best victories. That play right there, what you did right there, is one of the best victories I've ever seen as a Dolphin. We endured a lot that season, as you know, man. But that play right there, when you running down that field, man, I just couldn't believe it, bro. And I'm going to tell you this. Afterwards, too, I got kicked out of the parking lot because we partied like we won the Super Bowl. It's about three or four yeah, hours man. later. Yeah. The cops said, Juice, you got to go, man. You got to go home, man. I said, what are you talking hey, about, man? man? It's a you big need to dump right cops here. to come grab you and pull you, pull right. you back <laughs> Where's outside. Where's Tommy? I need, I need fat. I need fat. Yeah. Right? I mean, so that, just that moment right there, man, anyone that was still at the stadium was a true fan that was there through thick and thin. And so that's what made it so special and so memorable is that, you know, the people that stuck around, it really meant something to them. And it was, it's just fun to this day to be part of that. I got, you know, folks hitting me up on Twitter saying, you know, I, I was a little boy at that game, which makes me feel old. But don't, now don't, like, don't go there, Greg. Don't go there. I get it. I got a lot worse, man. I got some say they uh, were diapers when they say, you know what I mean? But uh, it's just, fun. it's fun to be part of, of a memorable moment like that. And it's just, you know, it's a connection I have with the Dolphins that, that, that'll last a lifetime. Yeah. Let's talk it, about that play a little bit more, man. I mean, Let's talk about how change, that one play changed everything for you, man. Let's talk about the parties afterwards, you know. I mean, I mean, you had to hit the clubs as the man. It wasn't like that. The, the parking people, you, you, were, you, had to, you were the man at that point. Yeah, man. So, so to this day, people would send out a tweet like, Greg Camarillo never has to pay for a drink in South Beach again. And it, it could not have been more opposite. So what do you mean? Uh, yeah, I got some boys in town uh, from home coming in town. So we, and this is before live on Sunday. So this is back in the day when there wasn't as much to do on Sunday. It was really, I'm a hip hop guy. There was only one hip hop uh, like club to go to. And so we, we pile up in the car, we go down there and we get to the front and we're like, let's, let's go. You know, like they had to be losing their mind. Right. I mean, I, I mean, this is, yeah, this is, we're going to have a blast tonight. This is going to be great. And we get to the front. And the bouncer is not feeling the same way. He he's, he's like, yeah, you're not, you're not going in. They didn't watch the game? And my, my boy's like, what do you mean? Yeah, like, <laughs> they just won the game. Like, you know? And he's like, nah, man, Greg, you're not going in. And I was like, well, somebody needs to, like, I don't get it, you know? Like, and at this point, you know, you're willing to spend some money to celebrate. Let's do it. Let's get a bottle. Let's have some fun. And the guy's like, no. Nah. And it, like the, 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 the boss guy, I guess, comes out and come find out that the last time I went to the club, I wish I could remember the name, but, you know, football brain. Uh, right. We, we got, a, as a group, got a table and one bottle. And this dude was mad because I didn't give him $100 to walk us from the front door to the table. I've ah. never done that in my life. Wow. I've never. I mean, yeah, you tip the waitress. You, know, right. you might slide the bouncer some money. Right. But you don't pay the guy who walks you to the table. Like, right. I appreciate your 20 seconds of your life, my man. I really appreciate that. But he was pissed. <laughs> clearly pissed oh man and so it and he been pissed for a while seemed like right he's been, he been holding his grudge for he's been waiting yeah. for a chance he to was, hold that against he was you. happy he's like yes greg scored a Here touchdown he he's yeah. coming out tonight yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's not partying and there weren't that many other options so after uh, you know a little bit of uh, of some back and forth uh, we eventually get in and get after it man because you know when you're ready to party and someone stops your partying and then right. you finally get to the bar it's, it's green light go time right uh so we you know 
it was a club that had ESPN playing on TVs. And it was like a moment like where I felt like, oh my God, like I've done, like I've, I've arrived as a football player. I'm in the club partying and there's sports center top 10 playing and I'm number one on the top 10. And it's just, just one of those moments you're like, man, this is, this is awesome. You just yeah. sit back and you just enjoy things like that. Yeah. Berman probably, I think Chris Berman's probably on that late night that, that, that show yeah. they had, he had, yeah, that had to be their top play right there. For it, sure. it was number one. As that, well as, as well as that. Yeah. 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 So that's like a childhood dream come true, man. Just, just, you know, to be in that, to be in that environment and it makes for a wild night, but what, it, what they don't warn you about, is the morning after when the interviews right. start popping up. <laughs> so I had, I had a rough night, uh, a fun, a fun, a fun night. I should say a rough morning. It's so my first ever ESPN interview. They take me to some little studio, put the, me and Cleo on camera and I look like death, man. I sound like death. It's just party, it great night. Terrible interview. Who had to track you down? Was it Harvey or they probably oh, sent the hand again? I can't remember who it was. It was probably Fortunately, Mike. there was a car that came and got me, but my parents were staying with me and I was just a total disaster in the morning. <laughs> Felt like saying, sorry, mom and dad, like, you know, but they got it. They understood where I was. So what, you know, it's funny. You said you did go home and sleep or what have you. I don't know how much sleep you had because and I don't know how I got to you, but you did come to the ping pong tournament that day, uh, the Monday, you know. So Damn. we have the ping pong tournament always on a Monday night. And, Juice, if you looked at, well, up until things really went haywire the last handful of years, we were undefeated in games leading into the ping pong tournament. So, like, I love the mm. ping pong smash because it, it was always after a win. Right. I mean, even we go fucking one and, and <laughs> 15, and the one game they win is because Greg scores that touchdown the night before the ping pong smash. So, and, and we put the invite out. I must've saw you in the parking lot or something. You're like, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. Okay. We'll see. And he comes rolling in and probably had, had your boys who also, I guess you dragged out of the club that night. <laughs> and uh, I was like, he did not look like he got a whole lot of sleep the night before and nor should you have. I mean, right. shame no. you do go home and go to bed, but you made it out there. And, and so I always appreciate the fact because juice, Greg was walking around there. It was like fucking Justin Timberlake was up in there, man. He was like a rock star. That's right. He was like a rock star that night. So I, how long did that last? How long did that, you know, I mean, did it just, the oh, next man, Sunday, that's everything a great went question. back to normal? How, no. You know, when did the Cinderella um, moment just. I mean, it's, what is it? We're going on 13 years here. It just has slowly faded over. I mean, and it's still, I like, it. I still get a lot of love for it. It was, it, it never really just stopped. And that's one thing that I've always appreciated about Dolphins fans is that, it's great to feel supported. It's great to feel that fan love. And, and I, I always appreciate Dolphin fans for it because it, it didn't fade. It wasn't like, oh, next week, you know, we've moved on from you. It's, it's a lot of love, man, and I, and I, and I appreciate it. And we know a couple of Ravens that they haven't forgotten either. I, I promise you. They said, oh, don't think exactly it's, right. it's a Dolphin. Didn't Bart Scott mention that a couple when we had him? Oh, yes, he did. Bart uh, is a good friend. And he'll be the first non-dolphin to come on, but we act, we absolutely went at him and had to ask him about that moment. Um, he had a fun nickname for you, and uh, <laughs> all, right. all right, what is that fun nickname? I'd like to hear that. He was he goes well, Cam Zero. He said Cam. That's cool. Right, exactly. <laughs> that's why he tore their ass up that day. But I mean, no one wants to be on the losing the the losing end of the the one win. Oh, he was uh, but, angry still. Yeah, he was yeah. very upset about I mean, it. And he said, Scott was an angry football player. That's what made him a good football player. <laughs> he embraced so, it. Yes, the yeah. mad backer. He embraced it. He wasn't as angry about this as he was when we brought up Can't Wait. That still got his, uh, his blood. Uh, uh-huh. 
But he said what you said with, you know, with regards to Ed is that they just, you know, there were so many things that they built around that defense where they knew Ed just had it on lock. And yeah. he said Ed almost jumped the play too early or whatever it might have been, you know. Like what he said, said yeah. Reception. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> I mean, i real glad that Ed Reed was just a few inches off. But he knew what was coming. And then, you know, Ed, Ed had the sweet revenge. The one playoff game that I, that I was around for him that, that must have been 2000. Eight. It wasn't that year. I can tell you that much. <laughs> no, the following year, the following season, uh, we played the Ravens in the yep. playoffs. And Ed Reed, I mean, I'm not sure the knowledge of football knowledge of, of podcast listeners, but I'm going to get a little specific. In cover two, a safety is a deep half player. A slant on the opposite side is like you catch it in maybe eight yards. This dude knew exactly what we were running based on our formation, totally abandoned his coverage and came and picked the ball off. And that just shows you – I mean, they destroyed us in that game, but that was one of the plays. But that just shows you the knowledge that that dude has. And he knew what was coming. It just fortunately was inches before he got there. Dude, that is, yeah, that's, and that's a lot of ground to cover, man. You know, coming from that outside side and taking that, that, that pick, man. You know, and speaking of, you know, speaking of JT and, you know, and when we had him in the tank, he also talked a little bit about 2000 season. Another story that was absolutely hilarious to me was when the story about, you know, JT's buddy Michael Jordan showed up at training camp. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he's trying to sneak out a little bit, go play a little golf. But your boy Cam, I know you're on <laughs> camera tight. I know you're on yep. camera tight. You end up putting MJ on the spot, you know, and bringing him, you know, into the team meeting room. What do you remember about that moment when you saw MJ? It's funny how how you introduced that, too. You're JT's (laughs) boy, Jordan. So, I mean, JT is is known for wearing Jordan. He would he wheels out these boxes of Jordan. And and you would you would think these are like 14 year old boys jumping on Jordan that they've never touched. These are a lot of millionaires in, in a locker room fighting for free Jordan from JT. And I, I would happily rock JT's triple X Jordan shorts because they were free. Uh, so we all know that JT is boys with Jordan. But the meeting was announced to us like, Jordan is Cam's boy. And as Cam called him in, you know, talked to him. Jordan quickly let us know that Cam was not his boy and that they might have played against each other in, in <laughs> high school or Little League or something. But Jordan has no recollection of ever seeing Cam on the court. And so, you know, I, I still tell this story, especially with the, the new Jordan documentary that came out. People were like, you met Jordan? That's, that's wow. You know, what? Like, yeah, he spoke at a team meeting. Well, what did he say to you guys? Was it inspirational? I was like, no, nah, he just told us we suck. <laughs> I mean, he basically told us to get it together. You know, quit right. sucking to get it together. Right. But, right. you know, it, it, uh, great to meet the guy in a memorable moment because I just happened to be wearing some brand new white Jordans. Yes. Pulled it off. Pulled it off my foot shamelessly, like 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 a total groupie. Pulled it off my foot, asked him to sign the shoe. So to this day, in my closet, in the shoe box, I've got a Jordan signed shoe. Minutes after he told us we so couldn't wear them anymore at that point. That oh was, no! no. I was say, hey, Greg, you suck. Right? You suck, <laughs> Michael Jordan. <laughs> no, oh man! Or after so, the Ravens game? Uh, that must have been before, yeah. So we, you were yeah. inspired by yeah. MJ to go. Sure, there you go, man. Jordan said, "Don't suck." So I went out yeah. there and I didn't. <laughs> and suck. you didn't suck. Good job. 
Oh, I love it. That's a great story. JT was so pissed that Cam pulled him in. He's like, you know, and they, JT and Cam didn't see eye to eye. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yes, that's fair. And, and he, you know, I guess Jordan was texting him the whole time. He wanted him to leave and come over to the Grand Oaks golf course. The, the golf in. I can't, we're meeting. He's I like, mean, the fuck are you guys meeting about? You're owing 12 or whatever. Yeah, I mean, he showed up in his golf gear with Charles Oakley in his golf, golf gear. Like, it was oh, very clear. Like, they just pulled the golf cart over real quick to come yeah right across the street right yeah. Yeah. oh i love it i love it so look you're a cold hero at this point you know well not at that point jordan was but you got the autograph you didn't suck you have that play and now you're a cold hero and by the time 2007's over we get into 08 you start be- becoming a bigger part of the offense right you're starting yeah. a bunch of games you're catching a ton of balls and then midway through the year you know here you are you know let's not forget this Walked on, walked on in college, yeah. undrafted free agent, yeah. had to go through losing your job and getting picked up off of waivers and that, you know, nothing's ever been easy. And now your agent's getting the call and they want to renegotiate your contract. What was that like? Talk about yeah. that experience. So the parcels had come to town and, and they wanted to, you know, get some key components signed. And so, uh, you know, Patrick Cobbs went first and kind of told me about the process and he, you know, fortunately got some money. We um, see how critical he was to, to yeah, team. yeah, yeah. But I mean, they, it, it was a smart building move. It's like get the guys you know you can sign for not that much money, get them locked in, and then get the big money guys after that. But uh, so Patrick Cobb is like, Parcells is gonna call you in, and he's gonna basically try to convince you you're not worth that much money. And so Parcells <laughs> calls me in, and he convinces me I'm not worth that much money. So his, his whole speech is basically, don't overvalue yourself. I've seen guys try to hold out for more money. I've seen guys sign and then get cut because they're not worth that much money. And it, and it made a lot of sense. Plus I had been on minimum contracts. I had never had a signing bonus. One time they gave me the pen that I signed with. So that was a, that was a nice signing bonus. Great. Uh, and so, you know, I was just ecstatic to be making anything. And so my agent went into it like, well, your numbers right now are pretty similar to Wes, what Wes Welker is doing. He's making some fancy amount of money. And he's like, we're going to try for that. And I, I was like, dude, you're nuts, but <laughs> let's go for it. And so and another key component to this is that the Sperano regime, the Parcells regime in Miami worked us to death. And if you got hurt, you were cut. Like it would, there were no questions about it. If you're in a training room, you're going you're gonna to be gone. Yeah. And so through these negotiations, I'm freaking out like, dude, I'm going to get hurt. They're going to cut me. And so I had a hard practice on like a Wednesday. We had been back and forth with negotiations. They were going decently well. And I called my agent. I was like, dude, just wrap this thing up. I'm worried I'm going to get hurt and I'm not going to make anything. Wow. So the next day on a Thursday, he got the numbers to where we felt comfortable. And to this day, I had asked him to make the next year guaranteed. I just wanted one time in my career to not go into camp stressing that I was going to get cut. Good for he you. told me it happened. It was not in the contract. I looked oh, over no. the contract. <laughs> I was like... Maybe I'm missing it, but I wasn't. Gonna, I was going to sign it anyway. I, I didn't care because it said one million dollars as a signing bonus, and to go from having zero signing bonuses to a million dollars, it blew my mind. So I signed that contract, man. One of the one of the most exciting days in my life, you know, to know that all this hard work I've put in for football, all the support, everyone that's come with me along the way, have you know, I've got to a point where like this is amazing. Uh, so I signed that contract on a Thursday get a lot of love the next day of practice from guys uh friday saturday we're going to, to 
we're at home. We play the Patriots. And you, you always want to live up to your contract. You never want to sign a contract and be a guy that, that you know, they say, oh, he's stealing money because he's not living up to it. So fortunately, I had a play that was designed for me, fake block, that got me a touchdown right away. And, and it just was like, I still have that picture to this day. It's, it was like... Uh, validation, man. Yeah, there you go. See, you got a better vocab than me. He's got a big one. He's got a big vocab, man. <laughs> I was an engineer, time, man. I can, I can do the math, but I'm not, okay. I don't have to... All right, so we make a good team. There you go, man. Uh, it was validation. You know, I got a picture of catching a touchdown against the Patriots after signing my contract. I jump in the air. My teammates are holding me up, and it just kind of signified everything that was going on. That's awesome. And then a couple plays later, we, we run all go option route. So everyone's running deep except for me. I'm running an option route. I'm wide open, and Chad Pennington throws it deep to one of the other guys that's open. Two, oh, man, God, football brain keeps coming up. There was a safety in New England that I despised. Picks well, it usually off. Usually that means Rodney Harris. Rodney Harrison, usually. No. Uh, uh, Brandon. Boy, my Lord. Look, my, oh, he's, no, he's getting on Brandon. Google now. Uh, I'm, I'm Googling it. I'm Googling oh, it. Law? I don't know. I'm trying to throw that No, he oh, was uh, Brandon Merriweather. He's, a, he's okay. a Florida dude. Yeah. Miami. Okay. Brandon Merriweather. We would go at it every time. And so this dude picks the ball off. And I, and my, I played a lot of special teams. My goal was to just demolish him. And so I go to demolish him, and he switches directions, and there goes my ACL. And, oh, uh, man. So, it, I mean, it was, it was bad, obviously. But thank God that I had just signed that contract three, yeah. four days earlier, man. Because literally, if I, had, if I tried to hold out for a dollar more, and I blow my ACL, you might never see me again in the NFL. And so that's just, it, it was a life lesson to me. Don't be greedy. You know, take work hard to get what you got, but don't be greedy about it. Because if I tried to be greedy, you know, I wouldn't be in the house I'm in today. I wouldn't have the career I would have had. Um, so I'm so thankful, man, that I, that I signed that contract. And then I got a chance to come back in 2009 and, and start and contribute again because they had money invested. I got to do some rehab and come back. Yeah, man. We'll talk a little bit about that, man. Because, you know, in the, in the league, man, not very many people go out on their own terms. I know you know that. And I I, I certainly know that. I was fortunate yeah. enough to play my whole career in Miami, though, you know. And after you signed that big deal, did you – I mean, you got the injury, rehab. You talked about just now you started every game in 2009, man. Do you think you'd be a Dolphin lifer at that time? And, and then on top of that, how difficult was it when the reality of the business set in, man, and you end up getting traded in Minnesota. Yeah, man, uh, a loaded question. Um, yeah, sorry about after, that. Sorry about no, that. it's all good. After signing Chef's that contract fault. and being a and being a contributor, you know, you, you look at guys that have been on a team for their career, and I was comfortable in South Florida. Like I enjoyed the team, I enjoyed the community. I thought, well, you know, maybe I could. I bought a house. I was like, you know, maybe maybe this is just I'll be here for another five, six, seven years and just set up shop. But then, Juice, you, you know the feeling of, I'm assuming you know the feeling of watching the team's draft, your team draft, and they draft someone at your position. And this is Brian Hartline. I think he was a fourth rounder or something. And so you just, you start counting numbers and realize that, you know, there's just not that much space, you know? And, you know, Brian Hartline was a great receiver and, and a hell of a draft pick for being a fourth rounder. And so it's, 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 no knock on him, but then you, we had Ted, Ted Ginn, who is still playing to this day, Brian Hartline, Devon Best, and me. That's four really good receivers, but there's just not that much space for four really good receivers. And like we mentioned before, you get hurt, you're going to take off. I hurt my groin. It's been, uh, I think, two weeks out. I tried to play early because they pressure you, pulled it again, spent two weeks out, and as soon as I got healthy, I get a little tap on the shoulder. Uh, Greg, the GM, wants to talk to you. 
And so normally that means you're cut, but they didn't say bring your playbook. So I felt, I was like, all right, maybe it's just a conversation. Next thing I know, uh, tells me I was traded to Minnesota. Greg, run that back about what people don't understand about a lot of times is, you know, you talk about somebody getting drafted in your position. There's also times you look out there on the field while you're eating lunch and somebody's working out on a Tuesday or yeah. whatever in your position. But the whole thing about the pressure to get back out there on the field, because you know that they're coming for you or they're mm-hmm. always going to bring somebody out there and you try to play through certain injuries, hurt yourself even more, wait for you to get healthy, and then they make a deal. It's kind of a, a bullshit business, basically. Yeah, but I mean, it is. But it's just you know that going into it is that's the business. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of debate right now between turf fields and grass fields and playing right. conditions. And this is when Miami had the baseball field mm-hmm. still on mm-hmm. there. And I was nursing a groin preseason game standard August monsoon and overthrow pass. And I try to stop on that dirt. That's now totally mud and pull the groin again. Uh, so I'm out another week. And then that's that, you know, two weeks out without any contribution to the team. And, and, you know, they're, they're ready to move on. And, you know, no, I'm not, I'm not mad about it. I'm not upset about it, but, it just it flips your life upside down quickly. Talk about the mental part of that too, though, because you talked about earlier in the podcast about you know if you know with the Dolphins at that time, if you're hurt, you're cut. Yep. You know what I mean? So even with the new deal, were you still feeling that way about it? You know, knowing that you just signed a deal, and you know, usually guys that get new deals, they get more opportunities. It seems like. Yeah, I didn't think they would just flat out cut me. I know, uh, I know they'd right. Yeah, right. but um, you know, you you know that. Uh, at that point, my salary was one one or one three or something like that, and that's too much for a dude to play play special teams. Like, yeah, I'm not, I right. can't cover kicks making that much money. Uh, and Brian Hartline was showing that he could contribute. Devon and Teddy were awesome, and so it just, you know, it, on one hand, I'm happy that I was traded to a place where I could continue to play instead of being cut. You know, because at the end of the day, they could just cut you, and that could that could be it. So yeah, I man, it's just it's it's a rough part of the business. But I was thankful to be traded to somewhere that that wanted me there, that wanted me to come play. That's awesome. And, but, you know, you kind of alluded to it when we were texting back and forth, setting up the schedule. When you got the news, you took it hard. You took it hard, but then you kind of dealt with it in a strange way. Yeah. So, um, you know, you get the news and it's like, it's, it's, we all, uh, did you, you guys watch Hard Knocks when Vontae Davis got traded and he like, he's like, I got to call my grandma or something, something like that. So, it, weird things happen. Imagine your whole life being flipped, flipped upside down. You don't really know how you're going to react. And I just, my first thought was, well, I, I live in Miami. I wear tank tops. Minnesota, it snows. And this goes back to being a California kid. And then the offensive coordinator, Dan Hanning, comes down to the locker room as I'm packing up to talk to me. And, and we just have a heart to heart and start crying. Like, you know, I owe that dude everything for my career. He trusted a, you know, a guy that really shouldn't have been starting. I wasn't ready to start when I started and put me out there and trusted me. And so we have a heart to heart, you know, two dudes crying. I'm trying to figure out my life. I, I had a house. I had a dog. Uh, my, my, I guess it was fiance at that point. Wife now had just started graduate school on Monday and it, I got mm-hmm. traded on a Wednesday. And so I'm trying to figure out what in the world am I going to do with my life? And so Seth, like I texted you, man, the answer was, Let's go get a haircut. That'll solve all my problems. Got so, to. <laughs> got to. You, can't, you know, you, you know, in camp, you, you let your hair get messed up. You know, you got a little beard going. You can't show up to a new team looking like a fool. So went to uh, my boy Javier at the Hall of Fame barbershop, got cleaned up, and then Javier, packed up. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, man, packed up and a trip to, trip to Minnesota. <laughs> did you feel like a new man after that? Did it, make, so, did it ease the pain a little bit? Uh, uh, yeah, no, but it, but. <sighs> 
it made me look cooler in the locker room when I got to Minnesota. Instead. There you it was go. Yeah, they don't have barbers like that in dude. Minnesota, I'm sure. No, oh, man. No, they don't. That was one of the biggest things I missed about Minnesota, man. I would text Javier and I would just hit him up, man, like basically telling him I missed him. I, I struggled for a fresh cut. Hey, so, hey, Juice, it's been a long time since I had to visit a barber, you know, but actually there was a time, and I tell you, when you can go sit down in that barber chair and you do, you, you develop that little friendship with your barber, you wait, you, even if he's got three people in line, if you get the right guy, you'll wait for your barber. And yeah, you feel like a new man after that. And I didn't never been cut from a football. Hell, I've never made a football team, but you know, I, I, I do know that going to that barber shop can kind of. Oh, and Hall of Fame though, man. Javi Newman Hall of Fame, man. That's, I mean, that's what it's all about, man. They sit there and they've got, the, they've got the, yeah, they, that's my boy, my kid. Come on, look at me. <laughs> Hey, man, my kids I, I go there, Seth. Early. Get a beer trim. My, my kids, my kids went there. Big Seth. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Right, and so the, the atmosphere in there, they're always talking sports. You know, they yeah, got the man. TVs going, man. It's such a great atmosphere. You know, and I see a few of the guys going there, man. And 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 to hear Greg talk about that, man. I mean, it, it's just a fun place to be. But you know, now Greg, they got a barbershop in the locker room. Do they? You know what I mean? Wow. They had a barbershop in the locker room. I don't know. With COVID, they might have changed a little bit. But as yeah, of last yeah. year, they had a barbershop right there in the locker room. Look you know, that. a couple guys coming in, you know, and cut. I remember I had to wait for Ed Perry to cut Ed my Perry, hair. Ed Perry, I was going to say, Juice. <laughs> you had to get in line. Like on Wednesday had to cut your hair your day. Sunday game. You know what I mean? It was, <laughs> it was a, but, yeah, man. But that, that situation that, you know, it, Getting that cut, man. A fresh cut always makes you feel good about things, man. No matter no matter what the situation is. You're right, man. You're right. So I took my fresh cut to Minnesota, and you know it wasn't the greatest career move, but I got two years played there. I got to play with Brett Favre, which is yeah. just you know it, just a cool thing. Like to this day, I get to tell people I played with Brett Favre, and then you know it just that's the road of an NFL career. You know, you just follow where it goes. At least you didn't get traded in the winter. That would have been oh, rough man. to go from Miami to Minnesota oh. in December. So, you know, this was the winter that the dome collapsed because there was a massive oh amount of snow. So, I mean, so, right. so, you know, I'm living in this apartment and in the first massive snowstorm, everybody goes inside except for the California kid and his California wife were outside throwing snowballs, making, <laughs> making snowman hat, enjoying the winter uh, because then I get to leave in January and go back to Miami. Right. That's exactly right. 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 Get the hell out of there. Absolutely. We had Keith Jackson on recently, and he said the same thing. You know, everybody spends – well, most people want to spend the off season or, or retire here in South Florida or yeah. California. But, you know, Minnesota, they, they don't stick around as much. Green Bay, they don't stick around as much. A little bit no, different. Absolutely. So, you know, you're there. You have a stint in New Orleans. And, uh, and then, you know, you, you get into the rest of your life, and you've, you've started a family. You're at well, – now, you work on a university campus. Is that right? I, I I used to, but now oh, okay. no, with COVID, I, no, no. Oh, I still well, right, right, right. Okay, I was yeah, like, yeah. shit, did he get fired? I, I, <laughs> no, I'm, a, I'm an academic counselor at the University of San Diego. I've been doing all that over Zoom. I haven't seen campus since March. But it's just, it's, it's my way of staying connected with sports. But then, you know, my family all works in and around education. And it's just kind of something I believe in. So I get awesome. to be around sports. I get to be around education. Uh, and it's also, you know, it's, it's a, a flexible schedule working in education because I got three little girls at home um, and I get to spend a lot of time with them. That's great. Um, trying to turn them into little dolphin fans. That's what's up. That's yeah, what's that's up. Really? really? Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Exactly I mean, it's just, it's be. the colors are cool. Little kids know yeah. dolphins. Like, it's just, it's a, it's a good, <laughs> plus we don't have a football team in San Diego. So they're, you know, 
they're free to be fans of whomever. But kids naturally like Dolphins as a, as a team. And Daddy saved, I guess, if you can save a one yeah. in fifteen. Oh, he season. saved. But you did. He he did it, you know. Sure. So I mean, like, do you have that conversation? Do they know? Can they even? How old are your girls? Uh, seven, five, and three. No, they don't. They don't know the details. They flip on the TV and it'll be the football game, and it'll be like, "Dad, is that you?" Uh, so they, <laughs> we're still figuring that out. But the, but the, the, you know, there's very it. few cool things about COVID. But one cool thing was in the early months when there was no football, they replayed a bunch of old games. Right. And so Drew Brees setting the uh, it must have been the passing yards or passing touchdowns record. One of the records was one of my last games, the last game mm. I caught a ball in. And so we actually got to flip on the TV, and there I was playing and football Daddy, it was for my you. kids. Yeah, so awesome. it, was, yeah. it was one, you know, the silver lining of a, of a pandemic mess. That is great. And, you know, and you, you kind of alluded to this earlier, Greg, but back in California, football is long behind you in some ways. As I said, you got your family, you've got your job. But how much does this one moment just continue to follow you, you know? And, and, and that's I, – I just – again you you alluded to some of it but i see it on twitter i see i just get the feeling and i don't know there's not a whole lot of guys i mean you have the legends you have the icons but there's not a lot of guys that had a moment that will be ingrained in memories of there's not a dolphin fan alive that doesn't know your name and have an appreciation for this one singular moment yeah and it's it's um it's a lot of it's just a lot of a lot of fun to have that to have that moment and you know my wife has a little joke with me that no matter what i tweet Somebody is going to respond, oh, the Dolphin Savior, he's the man. Right. And it, it could literally be like, you know, like it could be the most, I, I like to get into politics on Twitter. It could be the most political non-football tweet in the world. It could be just an F Trump tweet. And then it, the response could be, I don't agree with you, but I love you, Dolphin Savior. <laughs> right, so right. It's, it's just fun. It's just fun to, you know, to, to have that connection, you know, because as a former football player, it is always part of my identity. I will always have been a football player. I am not only a football player, but I will always have been an NFL player. I always identify as an athlete. And so to have this moment where, you know, people can still see me as that, like it's maybe, is that the healthiest thing in the world to admit? Maybe not, but it, it's a good feeling to know Thomas? that I am still it's honest. I'm still connected to this team. I can be, I don't know if it's be remembered for some, but it's just like I had an impact as a football player on fans. You know, yeah. it, it's, it's just fun to be part of that. And it's enjoyable to be part of that. And you can see in my background on zoom with podcast listeners camp, but I got my helmet right there, my ball right there. It's just something I'm proud of being, you know, a walk on an undrafted guy getting a chance to, to actually do something and then having a memorable moment like that. It's just, it, it kind of brings me satisfaction for my football career. As it should, yeah. as it should. Now you say the ball, is that the ball? Is that the ball that is, from? That is, yeah, that is the ball. First, the one under the helmet. Touchdown. The one under wow. the helmet, 64 yard game winner in overtime. So because I'm not used to the end zone, I didn't think to spike the ball. So I just oh, held on to the ball. Take that with you. That's that got to go with yeah. you, man. Yeah. That's, that, you know what? And there's very few walk-offs in football. That's a walk-off. You know yeah. what I mean? That's, that's you a gotta, walk-off. You got to take that with you, man. You know, yeah, you man. think about like, like Kenyon Drake threw that one in the stands. 
you know, yeah. <laughs> against New England, <laughs> and he wants that thing back. That he was like paying for it back. back. That you know, thing back. That's exactly right. Back, and then Seth, you mentioned my dad in the locker room. So the funny thing is, after parents don't go to the locker room after that game, just you know, the, no one cared about rules when you're only thirteen. Right. So everyone was so excited. <laughs> the rules. They just yanked my dad into the locker room. So here I come from football field into the locker room, going nuts, and my dad's just just in the locker room hanging out. Cool. And so we got some, we got some man. cool pictures, man. That's yeah. a that's it, a cool a ass experience right there, man. Man, you know, because I mean, you know, people don't get that, man. Like a lot of times, man, a winning locker room, there's nothing, nothing like, like a winning it. locker room, man. Yeah. Especially when you haven't won and you've been waiting for, you know, 13, 14 weeks to get that dub, man. That's, I mean, I thought we won a Super Bowl, man. Like I told you, I, I got kicked out of the parking lot because I thought we just won a Super Bowl. You That's know? what Mark said, right? He thought it was disrespectful. He said confetti was going to fall. All kinds of shit, you know what I mean? It was like, I mean, you, all kinds they probably, yeah. It was disrespectful, but I mean, you know, it's all right. That's okay. the only, we didn't we didn't have much respect in that situation anyway. So. Yeah, exactly. Respect <laughs> right. was thrown out the disrespect. window. Did you ever hear the call? Did you ever hear the famous radio call, Jim Manage? Oh, the, the... <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, I, I think I tweeted something today about Starbucks, and then and then somebody responds, you know, like, "Thanks for doing that, Greg, AK, Rich, and stuff." Oh, I love it. Uh, I love it. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, Rich, 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 there's not many Camarillos that played in the NFL, Greg Camarillo yeah. and Rich Camarillo. And years later, I got a chance to meet Rich Camarillo, told him oh, the story, I got a picture with him. And you got a just, picture with him? We uh, need that picture. Yeah, I got to dig it up. But, uh, I love it. you know, you know, love, love Mandich, you know, rest in peace, Mandich, and, all, and, and a lot of respect for his family. But such a fun moment. You know, he didn't do it on purpose, <laughs> but such a fun moment that represents this nobody that happened to score. So much a nobody that the, the radio guy didn't even know his name. I love it. I love it. Absolutely fantastic. Speaking of pictures, I just texted you one. I dug up. It's not the one I wanted Uh-oh. to find, but it's a picture of you as Pee Wee Herman with my <laughs> wife who's pregnant with my son there. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, man. Yeah, look at that look oh, at that's that. a great pick face. the only response oh, i can say to that is uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> just this was you know i, I think great, my macho man. man savage was pretty good but this peewee herman was oh, it's outstanding that, man. you said that to me earlier yes, we today got a, man. we got a saying in football man where you, you outkicked your coverage and that, that applies to your wife man you outkicked your coverage as well for yourself there, it, it ain't even close brother it, <laughs> I, I get the same thing though greg man i that you you yeah. guys, you you and your wife are beautiful people. I I get I, I'll kick my coverage as well, bro. <laughs> Whatever, uh, Juice. That, that's everyone's going on, man. You want yeah, to kick your right. coverage? Yeah, right. well, well, I definitely did. That's for sure. Yeah, it's a saying in football. My my boss Harvey Green, who you know, Harvey, he, he would oh, remind yeah. me of that all the time as well. What <laughs> so, a nice guy that he was. Listen, said speaking that to of me nice in the top fifty thing, we were getting in the top. Yeah, we were in the elevator for the uh. top 50 dolphin thing and, and <laughs> me and my wife and Harvey said the same thing to me. I'm like, Harvey, I wanted to, I wanted to beat him up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's got a way with words. As oh, a I love him. I love Harvey. For sure. <laughs> well, listen, and, and by the way, and now I'm looking at it, it's 12.02 AM. So it's just getting, you know, you're, you're just getting settled into your evening, but this is the first ever episode of the fish tank that started on one day. And finished on the next. Look at that. Yeah, man. So We're from the PM to the AM. That. That's right. From the PM to the AM. That's fantastic. So that Greg won't get that. You know, that's this OJ McDuffie lifelong saying. I've you know. Hey, yeah. Yeah. Look at my well, you gotta tell him. You gotta tell. So you know, Juice was he was the first midday, midday yeah. host yeah. of 790 the ticket radio, you know. Ah, I didn't career. know that. 
And so he would bring the listeners from the AM to the PM. Right. Uh, like thing. From 10 so to 1 at noon, yeah. <laughs> from the PM to the AM. That's, That's what right. I thought it was for the partying. Party. That's what I thought. I thought <laughs> it was the partying thing. But, you know, the party didn't start here until after the, you know, the midnight hour. You know that? Hey, hey that's yeah. true. That and I'll tell you what, Greg, Florida. throwing the bouncer in South Beach that wouldn't get OJ in. I'll tell you, you know, he didn't have that issue. We know that, <laughs> Ooh, right? I don't know about all that, no. man. <laughs> OJ tipped him. That's why. He gave no, me that's yeah, that's I gave right. a tip all right. That's what's up. Everybody was getting it. Hey, man, thank you so much. Quick turnaround and, it, you man, know, didn't awesome, even hesitate. Man. Although, funny thing, Juice, when I texted him, he thought I meant last night. He's like, Seth, man, I, if you're talking about tonight, I just can't do it for you, brother. I was like, no, no, I'm not. I'm crazy. I'm not that crazy. But we greatly appreciate it. It's so good to catch up with you and uh in 2021 we do hope we see you down here man hey i hope to be there greg man that was awesome man you know like i said you are my favorites bro and i appreciate all you did you know in the community man and what you did for our team man and what you continue to do i don't think i, I watch you on social media man you're you're a positive force out there man keep using your voice bro awesome man i, I appreciate that really really uh you know meant a lot to be on this with you guys good to see you virtually and good to absolutely. chat absolutely no doubt man thanks for diving in bro all right fellas if you enjoyed this episode of The Fish Tank and want to experience more of the greatest Dolphins tales you've never heard, all podcasts from the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your favorite streaming platforms. Just click subscribe, and don't be afraid to rate the show, especially if you're feeling like five stars. You're now diving into The Fish Tank. Sitting down with Seth living, Seth. OJ, Juice, Juice man, ooh, and this is strictly for them true fans, yeah. golf fans, number one, one, of course y'all, this ain't no ordinary sports talk, dive up in that fish tank, go get your aqua orange, yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank, it's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank, rocking with OJ and Seth when you dive up in that fish tank, Okay, this one for them diehards Celebrate big or cry hard Leave it all on the field, we gon' try hard Old school, a new school, mix it in Feeling like we up close when we listening Dolphins tales, in Miami is the deep end We vibing with our favorite players, no secret We get with Seth and McDuffie Bringing up stories we never heard to the public Bet we love it, Dolphins fans never budget We loyal to the team, whether happy or we upset We be like, what's next? Don't switch the subject You know it's all about them fans And if you ready for that water, time to dive in Don't switch the subject, you know it's all about them fans And if you down with Dolphins Nation, time to dive in Don't switch the subject, you know it's all about them fans You looking at that fish tank, it's time to dive, dive in, in that fish tank Aqua orange, yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank. It's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank. Rapping with OJ and Seth, time to dive up in that fish tank.